All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, September 15th of 2022. I'm joined again here by Andrew today, uh, one of our new DFS coaches. Andrew, what's going on? Happy Thursday, man. What's going on, Jordan? Happy to be on again and uh, looking forward to some football tonight. Yeah, we got a good game tonight. I know there are already some good questions in the queue here for us today uh, about the the NFL showdown game here tonight. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, still MLB season, if you can believe it. So I think I saw maybe one or two baseball questions sneaking in there as well. We can always talk a little baseball here. Uh, but first things first, Andrew, uh, yesterday you told me uh, that you like taking stands in your builds and, and you inspired me. Uh, and I took a stand yesterday. And uh, can you guess what my stand was? I played FanDuel Baseball. It was the only thing I played yesterday. Can you guess what uh, my fantastic stand was that I did? You took the Cubs. I, I did. I locked in 100% Cubs and I shipped everything. No, I had a 100% David Peterson yesterday. I said, Corbin Burns is <laughs> over-owned. Uh, is a good value here. There's expensive stacks I want to get to. This is the angle on tonight's slate. I think. I think, honestly, it was my worst. MLB slate of all time by ROI. So uh didn't work out, but I did also, I faded Burns who didn't do that good. And I faded the, the Yankees chalk who I think was just kind of like middle of the road. So a couple of things worked out. It was just like the wrong, uh, the wrong pitcher in there in a hundred percent of my lineups. Uh, so. I uh, led you astray. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Yeah. No, no. It's your last Jordan. That's right. Hey, that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's the right headspace to have with it here. So, um, first of all, okay, hang on. I see somebody, um, somebody in discord needs the link here. So let me make sure we get the, the, the YouTube link over to, to this guy real quick. And then we'll start answering some questions here. Oh, rogue rogue is my guy. Rogues rogues always got my back. Appreciate it. Rogue given the, given that guy, the, uh, the link here, let's go ahead and start answering some questions, getting into this here. Um, there was, let's see, let me see where I think actually where I kind of want to start a a few of our wonderful community members here helped this guy out as well. But I think this is a, a good place to start just for those that don't know how to use the entry editor, because this kind of thing comes up a lot. Um, so this question said, uh, when maxing all these different contests, uh, 10 cent, 25 cent, $1. Do you just run Sabersim and enter lineups, how they come into the contests? Uh, and then this, this kind of ended up becoming a bit of a discussion here about how to use the entry editor. So I want to just quickly show this because I don't think especially people new to Sabersim realize how cool this is. Uh, so this is basically what I would recommend is kind of the best practice way of getting your lineups into your contest. So once you have registered for the contest you want to play, right? So you've registered on DraftKings. You can just go over to this entries tab here, just click download template file, and we'll go to the exact right place on DK to download your entries file. And you can literally just drag and drop it in and pull in. And you'll see here, I've got my my different contests I'm playing here for tonight. So from there, once you have a build, I'm just going to use an old build that I had earlier. You know, obviously you would go through, you'd make all your changes, you'd make adjustments here, get these lineups just the way you want. Um, But let's say... Real quickly here, I had 219 entries. We'll just take the best 219 out of this. We can just click fill entries. And for me, most of the time, what I'm doing is I'm just letting the chips fall where they may. Using a unique random fill, which is going to put one lineup from my build into every single one of my contests. Click fill all entries and then download and open DraftKings. And it's going to just re-download that entries file and take you to the right page on DK where you can upload that file. 
right? So I, I literally just got 219 lineups into my contests. Ignore the fact that my DraftKings looks all messed up. I still don't know what's going on there. I've tried to do everything with this browser and I can't get it to display the right way in here. Uh, but it's, it's easy as that in terms of getting your lineups into your contests. So you just built the winner in two minutes. Uh, there it is. Yeah, done. So I don't even I don't even need to mess with anything else here for the rest of the slate. So did want to do a quick overview there, um, at least as a way to get started. Um, Andrew, do you play and any we have references? DFS? We have references to that in our help docs as well, right? Yes, we do. So uh, there's a, a link to the help docs up here in the upper right in the settings thing. If you click help, uh, you'll get to this wonderful landing page here. Um, has some of our, our tutorials of how to do different things, some of the most commonly asked questions. Uh, any Anytime you click on any of these, it'll take you over to the knowledge base uh, where there's a, a short video um, and you can see all of the, the helpful stuff we have here. So, Right. Uh, do you play any soccer DFS, Andrew? I do not play soccer okay. DFS. No. We have a we have a question here uh, from In It to Bake It about soccer groups. Um, I'm gonna we're I'm gonna try. Let's see if we can figure this out together. This might be one uh, that we have to respond to later after maybe we do a little bit more research. But the question says, "I'm using the soccer optimizer. Uh, stacking options are restrictive. I'd like to force a forward, defenseman, defenseman, goal, goalie stack." But if I set four players using them, positions sometimes end up with forward, forward, defenseman. Okay, so I think I, I, I'm going to... We should be able to solve this, right? Maybe. We'll see. So this sounds like something we would probably end up using advanced stacking rules for. And I just don't know if we have advanced stacks set up here for soccer. But let's try. Um, let's see. So we can do a... So you could set a rule that like includes certain eligible positions, but I don't think you, we don't have the same kind of advanced stacking rule that you can do here. Like you can't. Right. The eligible positions set. is what I was thinking about. Just, yeah. Um, only including those. And then in your build, you can actually sort, you can look at what stacks you're getting and that'll at least help get you closer to what uh, the customer is looking for. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little. I think in it to bake it for now. I think you're going to have to kind of. That, that, I think what what you just described there is is the answer. You know, you could set the at least four rule here, and then do a little bit of cleaning up of the pool on the back end. Uh, we know that you know the 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 soccer the soccer tools that are up is kind of just like a, a skeleton of what we'd ultimately want to build out here once we have like. Uh, full sims and projections and support for soccer and things like that. So uh, in the meantime, I think your best bet is just going to be to set that rule as wide as possible and then do some editing of your lineups in the post-build process there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, cool. Let's go ahead. Oh, you got something. Something's going on behind the scenes there, Andrew. I think maybe you're getting uh -oh. like feedback or something. There we go. Cool. Let's keep it going here. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, maybe maybe mic feedback, but um, all right. Let's get another question here. So okay, so let's talk a little bit of football here and get into this here. Um, there was a question from Tim, and I see questions coming in in YouTube chat, guys. We'll get to those here shortly. I always start first with the questions that are in Discord. If you want to join Discord, there's a link to join in the description of this video. Uh, always start with the the Discord questions here first. So um, this question here. Uh, from Tim um, says, can you take us through a possible FanDuel single game build for tonight's football game? Uh, looking for ways to not be duped, but also be realistic about winning. Thanks. So 
I I think let's do it. Um, I want to preface this by saying I really, really strongly believe that DraftKings single game NFL product is just a lot better of a place to invest your money than FanDuel. Um, that's not because I, I like DraftKings more or something like that. Uh, the reason why I think there's two game dynamic things that FanDuel does that I really don't like because it limits the number of viable constructions that you can make. The first is that they only have five players in the lineup, right? DraftKings has six, FanDuel has five. In a game where there's already just a much more condensed pool of lineups you can build, cutting off another player just makes their it makes it more likely that you're going to get duped anyway. The second one is that your MVP slot on FanDuel, you don't have to pay more to roster a player in that slot. On DraftKings, you have this kind of decision matrix that you have to make where, yes, you get one player who's scoring one and a half points for every real point he scores, but you also have to, you have to pay one and a half times the salary to get that player in that spot. On FanDuel, you can just basically get one and a half times Patrick Mahomes for free because you don't have to pay more to roster him there. The number of viable MVPs on FanDuel, that pool is way smaller than what's out there for DraftKings. So I prefer DraftKings for the NFL single game product. I think there's still ways to to build some good builds for FanDuel. Um, Andrew, your thoughts there on on how you like to break out between the sites on, on NFL single game? Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you, Jordan. I uh, 100% agree with that take. Just way more likely of being duped and just not as complex of a game without that 1.5x salary increase for the captains or MVP. Yeah, and you can actually see that. You know, if you just go in, you run builds on DraftKings and run builds. Let's get a build going here behind the scenes while we're we're working on this here. Uh, you can actually see it here when you actually build your lineups. If you just look at your pool exposure, you build one, you know, 500 on FanDuel, 500 on DraftKings. Look at the difference between your pool exposure, your top guys on DK versus FanDuel. Saberson gets that too. The pool of viable MVPs is much smaller uh, on on FanDuel. But I still think there's a couple ways to get unique, especially on a slate like tonight where there's a lot of different roster constructions that are viable because these teams, teams are so deep. Um, I think there's a couple ways to get different. My favorite thing probably uh, in general is to just flip the game script on its head. So tonight I think, uh, well, actually, well, let's, let's pull this up here um, and see what we're getting. But um, what I think is going to be pretty popular right off the bat is balanced builds. I think people are going to look at this game. They're going to want something to sweat when both teams have the ball, the spreads pretty close. I think people are going to overvalue three, two builds overall. One of the things that I probably want to do just right off the bat, just, just, this is purely about getting a unique lineup is just scratch these, these kinds of constructions off um, and focus more on the, the four, one kinds of builds on FanDuel. I think there's, there's almost just like a psychological element here where people building by hand, using traditional optimizers, things like that, just aren't going to really fully appreciate this kind of construction in terms of how likely it is to be optimal. Yeah, I like the angle that you're coming from. I don't think I would scratch it completely. Maybe just take like an underweight stance on it overall. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one way you can do that, I think, you know, if you're not sure exactly how to get underweight, I think this pool number can be a useful kind of thing to look at. Getting underweight here on 3-2 stacks might just be, you know, playing only 30% of your lineups as 3-2s, uh, 70% as those 4 stacks. So um, definitely another good angle there. One of my favorite ways to get different on DK is to get creative with my MVP slots. And I just think it's really hard to do on FanDuel. Again, I mean, you can kind of see it visually here, right? The QBs are so overwhelmingly the best MVP players to roster because they're generally going to be such a good point like a, such a good just 
raw point score. If you're playing Eckler at MVP, for example, you're you're basically asking Eckler to overcome a nine-point point discrepancy from Herbert and a 15-point discrepancy from Mahomes, and I think that's just a lot. Um, so I might try to just get a little bit creative, maybe by playing a little bit more of Herbert at MVP. If Mahomes is going to be the really chalky guy, maybe I'm getting up to like 50% there um, or, or, or something like that. Just kind of, again, flipping that on its head. But um, I, I think one time, one thing that people do that I think is getting a little bit too cute is they come in here and they're like, well, I'm going to get really different and I'm going to play like a ton of Nicole Hardman at my MVP because I think he could break a long one or, or I'm going to play Juju or like any of these guys down here. I think at that point, beyond just like a, a single lineup or a couple like extra lineups thrown in there, you're, you're just asking that player, like, yeah, you're probably getting unique, but you're asking that player to just do something that is such an extreme outcome that it's not very likely. Um, I mean, Andrew, what are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And you can do things like that on DraftKings, right? Where it opens up this huge salary, um, like efficiency where you can roster higher right. salary players, but I just don't think it makes the most sense to do on FanDuel. Yeah. So I would, I would say like, you know, looking at using the pool exposure here as a bit of a guide and trying to see like, I, I think Eckler and, and maybe Williams and maybe down to a guy like Kelsey, I think there's some angles for some, some optimal constructions there. Even just getting like a little bit over on some of these numbers might be enough to get you a little bit different there. Um, I mean, you can see, we only have a 500 lineup pool and we've already been pretty restrictive with our, our stack type. So it didn't work there, but I think that's one particular angle there. I think if I could give one overall piece of advice uh, that isn't play DK instead, uh, but the best overall piece of advice I can give for, for FanDuel single game on NFL is actually on the contest selection side of things. I'd recommend, I know the DFS profit plan is, is going to in general recommend playing as many different lineups as possible. Uh, for, for FanDuel single game, I actually like playing a little bit more of those elevator type contests, those smaller single entry uh, three max kinds of contests, just because the number of lineups you are competing with is few is smaller there. And it lets, you know, it lets lineups that might be duplicated like 25 times in a large field, 150 max be duplicated four or five times. Uh, and those lineups just have a lot more profitability at that scale. So I think the best overall advice I would give uh, if you're playing FanDuel NFL is to probably shift your bankroll investment on that slate a little bit more into the smaller field tournaments. I think that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Sweet. Um, let's go ahead here and keep it going. I wanted to jump. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit here just because I think this question kind of relates to what we were just talking about. Um, this is from Phantom and said, uh, with Showdown single game, do you have a general cutoff with how many unique lineups you like to run based on the smaller number of line combinations? So on FanDuel, they've got the five cent, the 25 cent. Uh, and then I think... Uh, there's a $1, 150 max, et cetera. Would you want 450 unique lineups still if maxing out each? So this kind of gets, I, I think from just a pure contest selection theory, I would say like, yes, but given that there are fewer lineups that are, I just think good lineups on FanDuel single game. And then there are much, much fewer lineups that I think are going to be good with a chance of having less than five or even 10 dupes in these super large field tournaments, I would probably, I, I, what, what I would probably do is I would actually start with 150 and see if you can even get to 150 lineups that you think are playing 
a good game script angle, that also have a good chance of being unique. Um, I don't even know if I, on a, if you're talking about the super large field stuff, the five cent, the 25 cent stuff on FanDuel, I don't even know if I could comfortably say that I could find 150 that I would actually want to want to play that I think are going to be not duplicated and that I think are going to be unique. Um, I, I think my, my favorite approach overall would be instead to focus on the smaller field kind of stuff. But um, I mean, what do you think about this, Andrew? I think it's a very good question because at some point you're not going to be able to build positive mm-hmm. EV lineups. I mean, eventually in any circumstance, the the more lineups you build, the, the closer you get to that equilibrium. So I don't know what the line would be, especially on FanDuel. It has to be smaller than it, it is on DraftKings. But um, 450 unique lineups does sound like a lot. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think it's way too many. Um, I think it's unlikely that there's that many that work. I was going to say, you know, one thing that you could kind of, I mean, I, I'm one, I'm curious what happens if we just X Mahomes and Herbert out? How many? So we still have a hundred. Okay. So there, I mean, there's 150 lineups in a pool of 500 that have no Mahomes or Herbert. And then like, I don't know, maybe there's kind of an angle there of saying that like, that is just enough of a way to get unique. I, that's actually probably the way I would think about this is I would think like, what is the most, what is the, the most creative way that you can figure out how to get a unique build on FanDuel and then see how many lineups in your pool of 1500 actually fit that, right? Like, can you get 450 unique lineups from a pool of 1500 that's actually playing a unique angle. I think fading the quarterbacks at captain is a unique angle. And the one thing you know is that if you're getting lineups like here, Mike Williams, captain here, Eckler captain here, Travis Kelsey captain, because Saber Sim is building these from actual Sims, you know that there's actually a game script where Mike Williams is truly the highest raw point scorer. And this lineup is actually optimal. Um, it's actually the eighth overall best lineup in the pool. So that instead of saying how many lineups are unique, I think that's the better way or how many, how many lineups how many unique lineups should you play? I would flip that on its head and, and try to actually go through the practice of seeing how many lineups can I actually get to that I want to play. And you can use your intuition on some of this stuff, right? Like we have this, we have clearly one build here where Isaiah Pacheco is the optimal MVP. We actually have a few of these. To me, that like I'm not going to play that. That that even though it's showing up as a lineup in our pool of 500, like that is just such a thin game script that I'll probably just scratch that. And try to just see how many lineups do you end up with. And maybe it's maybe it's 120 and you're playing 120 unique builds, uh, but you feel comfortable that those are actually going to get unique. So I think that's probably the best answer I, I'd have here is, is instead of trying to come up with just like a, this is how much how many lineups to play on FanDuel in single game, on a slate to slate basis, see how many lineups you can build that you like, that think you that you think actually have win equity and have a percent chance to be to be unique. What do you think about Saber score? and ranking showdown lineups. Yeah, so I I mean I think it's a my rule with saber score is generally pretty consistent across like most contests. I like to use it as a, as a tiebreaker basically and say that once I've added value to the rest of the other parts of my process uh and made all the adjustments that I want to make, I will let saber score ultimately determine what lineups I take with me into my contests. Um, I think it does, it does a good job of breaking those ties. Like 
if you build 1500 lineups and you make a bunch of adjustments and change exposures and things like that, there might actually still be like 600 lineups that you could potentially play. Letting Saber score decide what your final 150 are, I think it's a really good approach. I don't like to treat it as the end-all be-all. Like I think sometimes people get here to this post-build process and they're like, oh, well, I want to make this change, but Saber score says this is the best lineup. So I guess I'm going to play that. I don't like to think about it that way. I use it kind of as a tiebreaker there. Um, you know, it, it is actually what ended up uh, breaking my tie and putting me on a bunch of uh, uh, Peterson lineups yesterday. Um, I didn't actually have a take on David Peterson himself. I knew I wanted to fade Burns. Um, I knew I was going to get off the Yankees. Those were like my main two stands. And then it just so happened I ended up playing a ton of David Peterson. Um, but that that's typically how I use it. So last question on that. Do you think that there is a Sabre score rating where people should start to be cautious of the showdown lineups they're seeing? That's a really good question. Um, I would not treat it as an absolute number. I would not say lineups under this number you should be cautious of just because Sabre scores is, is a relative calculation that, that changes like that, that can change. Um, I would say you can think about it a little bit more from the ranking of the lineup. So what I mean is like, let's scroll down to like the very bottom builds here. I would be somewhat cautious of lineups that are maybe in the bottom 10% of my pool, I think is a decent heuristic. Um, I, I might edit and tweak that around depending on the, the sport or the contest type. But I do think once you're getting down to the bottom 10%, there's some reason to, to proceed with caution there. Um, that's why I like, you know, maybe even, maybe if it's a little bit more than that, like where was, where were those Isaiah Pacheco lineups in my pool here? Um, let's see. What's the highest rated Isaiah Pacheco lineup I have? So 432. So like, you know, even maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, but I do think we talk about the pool being viable, right? And I think that's a good general assumption to, to roll with in general, most of the time, especially for, for main slates and things like that. But in reality, it's, it's not actually true that every single lineup in the pool can be like completely equal to one another. That doesn't make sense. Um, I think once, if you were getting to that back 20, I would say 10 to 20% of the lineups in your pool, it might be worth proceeding with a bit of caution there. Um, then, then just kind of blindly taking that as, as truth. But what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I, I think that's a good idea and I think it will change sport to sport, especially with like more normally distributed sports like NBA versus highly variant sports like baseball, where one swing of the bat is 18 points on FanDuel. Um, and then I see a comment here from rogue saying, um, what is he saying? Or which one? Oh, this one. Yeah. Uh, just anecdotal examples of low saber score lineups being optimal and that's most likely to occur in a showdown so that's why i just wanted to bring it up and hear your thoughts on that yeah no definitely and i I, i've mentioned before on this stream too that like i think um refreshing my page here because i think my browser locked up but i i I think you know if, if the lineup looks good to you like if it feels good it's like comfortable it has the nice kind of like correlations i'm talking for showdown here it's going to feel that same way to everybody else too, right? Everybody's going to want to play that same lineup because it, it looks good and it feels right. The lineups that end up like uniquely shipping tournaments most of the time are the ones that you have to like 
kind of, I don't know, bite the bullet a little bit on something that doesn't totally feel right. Like it's one of those constructions. We were goofing around in the Discord chat earlier this morning here about um, a like one KC captain and then five flex chargers tonight. Those are the kind of builds that I think like people aren't comfortable with. They don't like the way that feels to enter those. And then you end up getting more unique by playing those kinds of builds. So um, I, and I would if not- And backs it up, I would be totally comfortable playing that lineup more Agreed. often than not. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of a balance there. Like there's, there's playing a unique construction of good players that are going to be on the field. And then there's Isaiah Pacheco in the MVP slot on FanDuel. Like, I think those are different. And I think having a little bit of a sense of like where the line is drawn there is important. Um, As a heuristic, I do think proceeding with caution for those, that bottom 10% of your 10 to 20% in showdown in particular of your saber scores is, is a good idea. Um, and that might be even more of a FanDuel thing in particular. Like I think the DraftKings pool is a little bit more diverse and a little bit more, um, I don't know, you can get a little bit more creative there. So, um, okay. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to jump over to YouTube chat. I think we're actually already caught up on the discord questions here. Oh, actually, no. Um, one more question here from Fisty here that we'll get into, and then we'll hop over to YouTube chat here. Um, okay, so this question says, if I have a lot of exposure to a QB and every lineup in my pool, he's paired with the same player, how do I limit that so I get more exposure to other players on the same team? Uh, for example, on the Thursday to Monday slate, every Russell Wilson lineup in my pool of 1,500 is paired with his tight end. Uh, also, if you can show me some ways to limit that exposure in step three, Say if the tight end was not 100% and I just wanted less of him paired with my quarterback in step three, I currently will just filter and delete the lineups I don't like, then refill. Not sure if there's a better way. Um, what do you think about this one, Andrew? Before I, I have some thoughts here, but I'll, I'll give you the, the, first, the first crack at this one here. I think Fisty is going about it from the right approach. Like To solve the problem, first and foremost, you would filter and then delete. Yeah, so I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think this is a good thing, you know, looking at those combinations of players and, and trying to figure out like how combined certain players are together um, is, a, is a good idea. On the, the practical level of kind of where the app is right now, this is a tricky problem to solve, mostly because you can't set exposures of combinations of players, right? So we could go in and we could reduce our exposure um, to Russell Wilson, and we can reduce our exposure to Albert O, but reducing the combined exposure of those two players while keeping other things intact is kind of tricky. Um, and I'm realizing now you were talking about the Thursday to Monday. This is the main slate I'm building lineups for, but that's okay. Um, a couple like, there's a couple like blunt force methods that I think you could use to try to get here a little bit along with what you're already doing. Um, the first would be, let me let this build here finish and then talk a little bit about this. I, one thing that you can do, well, actually, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. I always manage to get ahead of myself when I'm building lineups on stream because um, I'm waiting waiting for the build to finish and then getting excited, but let's let this finish. Okay. So one thing that I think you can do is just increase your sim precision slider, right? Like that's going to, uh, what, what's happening here is, is Albert O and Russell Wilson are probably just both projecting very well, plus they're correlated. So they're just getting jammed together in almost every single one of your Broncos stacks. By increasing the sim precision slider, you're almost putting more pressure on 
those two players in the Sims used to build that lineup to actually have the upside there. Like it, it, you can almost kind of think about it as like the player has to have more raw upside to show up in the lineup, the higher the Sim precision slider goes. You can also start playing with the min uniques uh, here and increasing that to two or even three is going to kind of put a little bit more pressure on the builder to say, hey, for every Russell Wilson and Albert O lineup you build, you have to differentiate the other players in the lineup that much more or start using different Broncos players in the stack. Um, those are two very kind of blunt tools that I think you can use to force a little bit more diversity in there. The last thing I would mention is you could get a little bit creative with the way that you handle your actual player exposures and do something like setting a minimum. And I know the Broncos are not, oh, they are on this slate. Yeah. So you could do something and say like, I want, you know, 20% Broncos stacks, but limit your exposure to Albert O to 10% or something like that. And that's going to then say, you know, obviously you're going to have 20% Wilson. Only half of those lineups are going to have um, Albert O in them and do something like that. Uh, for more specific, the first two methods I described here are going to be, they're going to affect every lineup, right? If you, you know, if you increase sim precision and you set a min unique of two, that's going to affect everything. This would be more of a very specific way to target that particular situation that you're seeing happen a lot in your lineups. And and one thing I was thinking about, which might even just be a step backward from that, is if you're seeing Albert O way more than you're seeing Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, just drop his projection 10% and yep. rerun a build and see what that comes back at. If you're still getting really high correlations, you know, you could take the correlation slider down a notch, but then that affects more players than just the Wilson and Albert O scenario. So there's nothing wrong with playing with that projection. That's actually a really good idea as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, and you could even, you know, if you want to target the pass catchers a little bit more, you could give them a little bit of a, of a touch there as well. So. We got to make cool. two adjustments to uh, meet the DK guidelines anyway. Exactly. That's, that's something I like to do is, you know, the community guidelines require us to make two changes. Like that's a perfect opportunity for any person to put their chef's kiss on their build and uh, add their own touch to it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I also, you know, I think I, I, I know we talk about adding value a lot on this stream and just in a lot of our other content here. Um, I think there's just overall this assumption that that has to be this this very big and broad and time consuming thing. You know, adding value on a given NFL slate might be just picking up on something like this. Like my lineups are not diversified in the way that I want. And I'm going to make this subtle adjustment to one team to get them there. And otherwise I'm kind of happy with that. Or, you know, there's one particular ownership inefficiency that I think uh, people are kind of missing on this slate. So I'm going to get a little bit more exposure to this one low owned guy uh, that, I, that I want to take onto the slate. So um, I think it's kind of an important thing to remember that, you know, making your adjustments or, or what your your value adding process is to SaberSim doesn't always need to be this big, enormous thing or, or something that you're making adjustments on every single team in the pool or anything like that. Right. I completely agree with that. And just speaking for myself and my own process, I'm really looking for like three to five players or just a few angles to make adjustments on because mm -hmm. for the most part, I trust SaberSim and all the work that goes into it and the outputs. And I really don't want to get too far in the weeds of changing everything, every team, every player 
I'm just looking for a couple of places to add my own takes and uh, make adjustments no more than probably three to five players. Absolutely. I agree. Um, let's hop over to YouTube chat. Uh, I hustle for it said, I don't know how to do anything, especially the slider tools. Question is, can you run through the sliders briefly uh, so I can understand what I'm doing wrong? So um, I, what I would actually recommend is in general, leaving the, the sliders alone. Um, the sliders themselves are put through a pretty rigorous back testing process where we actually will simulate out thousands of lineups uh, at every single individual slider setting and then compare how those lineups would have performed to pass slates by balancing risk versus upside. Uh, and we feel generally pretty confident about where these slider settings are set. Um, the nice thing about it is they adjust per sport. They adjust for different sizes of the slate. They adjust, obviously, for different contests. Um, so what I would recommend in general is, is probably just leaving these alone. Um, here's here's what I would recommend if you're, you're first getting started with Saber Sim and just kind of not very sure where to start. Um, I would focus most of your attention on what happens after the build. Uh, what's very unique to SaberSim here, or one of the things uh, among many that is very unique, is we're not just going to build you, if you're playing 20 lineups, playing the 20 max or something like that, uh, we're not just going to build you 20 lineups and send you on your way. We build you 500 lineups, and we're building you 500 lineups on the settings that we think are appropriate for the contest that you're playing. So from there, you can kind of sort through and work through those pool of, that pool of 500 to figure out what 20 you ultimately want to play, knowing that all 500 are going to be, as we say, typically viable or, or, or like solid lineups that you can play in that contest. And if you're really like, if you're, if you're not sure where to go from there, I think, you know, most people have at least had the experience of like hand building a lineup for, for different sports and knowing what they would want to get in that lineup. Go through and look at the lineups in your, your actual set and ask yourself, would I have hand-built this? Like, is this a lineup that I would have played? And if it's not, what about it isn't what you would have played? And that's where you can start kind of adding value. Like, what about it is, is the part that you don't like? And that's where you can start making adjustments to kind of improve this overall set of lineups. So if you start going through and looking at these lineups and you're thinking, you know, maybe a QB plus three isn't a lineup that you would have built for yourself. You can eliminate QB plus threes from your pool, for example, and we'll pull in a new set of 20 from your 500 that don't include QB plus threes. And, that and Jayden, kind of just to add on that really yeah. quickly, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to point out the uh, feature we added recently where you can manually adjust one player if there's a lineup that you like, that I just like this minus DJ Moore for whatever reason, and you can swap that out and then you can yep. lock that lineup back in. So I think that's a great feature as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I think um, that's a really good, good thing there, especially if you do kind of come from the hand building background and want to make more of those hands-on adjustments. Um, I think the big, the big takeaway here is on a normal optimizer, like any other optimizer out there, you have to tell that tool everything. Like it will just, without any input from you, it'll just build you a bunch of cash lineups, lineups that are optimized for the highest average projection. You have to tell it how to deal with ownership and correlation and ranges of outcomes and all these other things. Saberson will start you with this very strong foundation of lineups from the beginning. So don't overthink basically what you have to do when you're first getting started. Um, but, and I, I guess for the actual specific question as well, um, I, I, 
I would not start with the sliders. I would start with making adjustments to your exposures and to your teams after the build instead. So, yeah, I think that if you if you don't want to do anything wrong with the sliders, don't touch them because they are a lot of work goes into putting them where they are. Um, interesting question from from Uncrabby. Oh, I just realized I've said Uncrabby Crabby like every single time I've seen this name, but it's actually Uncrabby Cabby. So I apologize for getting the name here wrong. This is kind of one of those more like theoretical questions here. Um, I'll take a stab at this. I won't spend too much time on this, but I think it's kind of a fun thought experiment. It said, hey, math gurus, uh, convince me why I should play a 20 max NFL showdown with 150 entrants with very small probability of winning instead of building my own single game parlay. Um, my thoughts on this is in you're building a single game parlay, you are playing against the house, a casino, that is spending a ton of money to come up with the exact precise odds for that parlay such that over the long term they're going to win more often than you are right i mean they're you're playing against essentially an expert even though it feels like you're just kind of you know building the lineup yourself when you're playing in a when you're playing dfs right you're you're there's a higher rake there but you're playing against probably on average just a much worse opponent in that kind of contest. Not to say that one of these things is good and one of these things is bad, but I think that's the strongest argument in favor of DFS overall, especially as sports betting becomes more and more legal, is that at the end of the day, you're playing against other people where there's a big discrepancy in skill in certain situations. And to, to be a good, a profitable better, whether you're playing parlays or whether you're doing straight bets or, or props or whatever, you're playing against a, what is going to be on average, a, uh, a stronger house. And I will tell you what, just given based on the fact that how much DraftKings and FanDuel and all these other sites are pushing their single game product, you know that they are very prepared and very comfortable with the way that they are setting the odds for those bets. Any Anytime a sports book is begging you to place a bet on a particular kind of bet, uh, you can kind of tell that they think they have an edge over you. Uh, and I think that's definitely the case with the single game parlays. Yeah, Jordan, I can't agree more with you there. I think that a good analogy is is like poker. Uh, right. At another peer-to-peer game. I I just I prefer peer-to-peer games as opposed to playing against the house in the sense. So yeah, I agree. And you know, the the I think the single game parlays are very fun. I will say that. Like I'm I'm trying not to be a, a super nit here on on stream. I think they're fun. I they make for a nice sweat. They're definitely a nice way. You know, if I'm already tilting my my showdown lineups at um at, at halftime, like I'll sometimes just fire off something as kind of like a, a second half parlay just to, to have something to kind of root for. No problems with that, right? But uh, you can tell, first of all, the fact that they're not really publishing the true odds of each part of your parlay and just handing you the number at the end and how much these sites advertise that particular thing, you just know that they feel like they're just crushing these things. So anyway, uh, another question here. Steven said, uh, let's say you do multiple builds and like lineups from various builds that have different rules and exposures. How can you save and combine these lineups into what you finally upload into DK? Uh, short answer is there's not a super easy way to do this in the app at the moment. Um, one thing you can do is just like spot check and go through and click the lock icon on different lineups as you really like them and download these different lineup sets that include these different lineups. And then handle that on your your Excel files. Um, but there's not a good way at the moment to combine different lineups from different builds into all into one lineup set at the end. 
Yep, requires some manual intervention, but it can be done. Um, cool. Let's keep it going here. Uh, I agree, actually, with Steve's thought. Uh, FanDuel should model the NFL single game like they have for the NBA. I have no idea why they haven't. Um, the the NBA, if you guys haven't played it, has three multiplier spots. So you have like a 2x MVP, a 1.5x star, and then a 1.2x pro, which I think is actually pretty creative and a pretty like leads to some pretty cool lineup constructions. I actually would say I, I might actually prefer the FanDuel NBA single game product as opposed to the DraftKings one. I don't know why they haven't rolled that out to, to football. Um, the only thing I can think of is that like FanDuel wants the simplest product possible for their like what is a very popular game type um but i don't know i would love to see them switch over to their nba showdown uh it is very fun and unique and you could do a lot more things with it so yeah i think Hopefully. they do it for baseball too um but for some reason for nfl they stick to this like single multiplier mvp thing so who knows and, and dante just said uh, Fandle did modify. They added defenses. Yeah, yeah. that was great. That was, great addition. Yeah, a good a good attempt. A strong <laughs> effort. Um, I mean, I guess it, adding one more like positional does give you slightly more lineup like constructions that you can work with. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, cool. Let's see here. Uh, um, Rogue said, would you recommend upping the ownership fade to get like three to five to get even weirder on FanDuel? So you can, I think my concern there would be once you start like really cranking that slider, you're, you're like, you're, you're going to yes, potentially get more unique builds, but you might be sacrificing that in actual probability of success. And they might not be equal. Like if you're cranking up the ownership fade to like five, like you're you're gonna get more unique builds, but you lose the ability. The one thing that's nice when you build at zero zero ten is you know that every lineup is built from an actual sim optimal. You lose that once you start turning the ownership fade slider on. So I think you have to. I think that's fine to do that, but you should be more comfortable with applying your intuition to actually answer if the if the lineup is still viable uh, itself. But um, your thoughts there, Andrew? Yeah, I think once we start increasing the ownership fade too high then we get a little too far away from the sims and are just bumping up those ownership multipliers into dangerous territory yeah agreed um similar kind of question well first of all dante said who's andrew and andrew is our new dfs coach one of our new coaches here on the saber sim team uh this is his his second stream he was on uh uh the first uh office hours yesterday so um, yeah, get used to seeing Andrew on more of our content. We're, we're very excited to have him. It's been very nice for me for the last couple of days to have somebody else on here with me and talk through some of this stuff with you guys. So yeah. Um, then it, uh, also said, oh, he said, just kidding. So I guess you already know who Andrew is. So, uh, but I know, uh, you say make changes in step three. Wouldn't it be better for my process if I know for sure I didn't want a three, three build just to force a minimum of four stacks. Andrew, I sometimes feel like with this particular question, I get kind of caught in the weeds here and I go down a technical rabbit hole that I don't know. What are your thoughts on this here? I think that going in, if you know you're not going to play any three threes, then yes, it's better to tell the builder up front. It's like what we talk about in other scenarios where it's like, if you know you want a QB plus one or you want no naked QB stacks, then put that in 
put that in the builder up front and tell us. So I think that you come more from the approach of, well, you know, maybe you do want some. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I personally like to have that option of, I just want less. I don't want none. But if somebody wants to take that all or nothing approach, then yes, it's better to put that in, in step one. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's good advice. Um, I, on showdown, the one thing I would say on showdown in particular is at least for your first draft, at least for your first run through, try to do as much as possible post build without putting that stuff in beforehand. So you're working from those sim optimals. But if you know you don't want to play 3-3 and you're you're not getting to the other exposures you want to get to, put the rule in place so that you get the good pool. You get a pool that's representative of what you want to play and, and go from there. Um, so, Kurt, a little bit confused about this question. Um, how about Saber score versus ownership? I, I Sounds like I maybe... I think this came in a little earlier when we were going through the Saber score. Gotcha. Um, the uh, rating of the Saber scores. And I think he might be referring to the uh new ownership yes rank gotcha yeah so i w- i don't ever really use ownership as an actual like sort like i don't ever actually sort by ownership one direction or the other to like select my final lineups i think it's really mostly useful for for uh research like i've always found it's it's pretty interesting to like figure out what is the lowest ownership sum build that I can get to in my pool. And then what is like the highest ownership sum build and what do the saber scores look like uh, along with that? But I would say for, for unless you have a specific reason to do so for picking your final lineups, I think saber score is going to be a better choice than, than the ownership sort. And, and I know we added recently the min and max ownership in step two. And I know that some people are fond of that. So what do you think about if you're using this tool sorting by ownership? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty useful for like main slates in particular. Um, again, on, on showdowns, I'd be careful of like, if you start cranking that, that max exposure or sorry, that max ownership, like really low, you're going to force the builder to build like lower owned, lineups even if they're not optimal for that sim for for main slates i think it's great right i know uh, a lot of people have kind of an intuitive sense of of how much ownership they want um the the unnamed article that is out there that it seems like everybody has read uh says 125 percent max ownership sum for their builds i think using something like that is fine if if that's what you're looking for um i found for the most part for my process that the ownership fade slider alone just gets me there most nights. Like if you actually go through and build your lineups for for the main slate, uh, you'll find that most of the lineups already have a pretty good balance of ownership there. And it looks like we got Kurt the answer he was looking for by showing that demo because that feature is new and yeah. maybe not everyone knows about it. So I just think that if you're using it, then you probably would want to sort by ownership just because they kind of go hand in hand. I prefer Saber score over it and I don't use it that often, but if somebody has a good use case for it, I could see how those two things would work in tandem. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Dante said, why isn't SaberSim taking ownership into account for showdown, especially in the captain spot? Would it harm the process if I turn the ownership fade slider up? We've, we've touched on this a couple times here. Have, did I already read this question out or did was this? 
Uh, no, I don't remember seeing this one. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, again, the, the main the answer to that, so why why is the ownership fade slider zero for showdown, is again, because we want to make sure that we are giving people lineups that are optimal for a given, for, for, for Sims, right? Like once we start turning the ownership fade slider up, you're telling the builder, hey, you know, favor maybe the, the third or fourth or fifth optimal of a given sim more if it's if it's lower owned. And just because it's so important to get the actual optimal lineup to win at showdown, we're, we're, we use these settings most of the time. You can still get different with your builds by fading chalky captains in the post-build process. This is a huge part of my showdown process on any given slate. I'll go through and I'll try to figure out, hey, who do I think is the, who do I think are going to be the, the most popular captains tonight? Like I think Herbert and Mahomes are both going to be very, very popular uh, as the two highest projected players in the pool by, by a mile. Um, one of the like pretty easy fades that I think I'll at least be entertaining here for tonight's slate will just be getting off of the quarterbacks. Um, and in this case, what we're doing, instead of forcing a particular construction on the builder, we're just sorting through the lineups and pulling through optimals where they're not, those captains aren't used. And Jordan, one thing I wanted to point out about the sliders and the ownership fade is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we are ranking lineups, when they show up more than once as optimal, that increases their Sabre score. So then that does push them to the top, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So, and you can kind of see that anytime. So a lot of times you'll see that like one lineup here, let me reset this so we can actually get everything. Um, you'll see that like one lineup, the the second lineup does not have like a much lower saver score uh, than the first lineup, right? Like 199.9, 99.3. Sometimes you'll see like a gap where like we'll actually make like a pretty big jump all at once, um, two or three points or something like that. Uh, if you see that a lot of times, that's actually that factor being applied um, where, you know, maybe, you know, maybe even from here, like it might be that the top four lineups are showing up as optimals for, you know, five different simulations. And this lineup is actually the only showing up as the optimal for four different sims or something like that. So, um, good catch. I had not known that before. So yeah. So anytime you see those, for. those big jumps in saber score, and sometimes they're bigger than this, like you'll see sometimes a lineup jump from like 99 saber score to 89 saber score. Uh, there's, there's, there's a reason for that. So um, Taylor says, is there a way to forcibly sprinkle in low ownership players and Saber Sim lineups? Um, one thing that you can do is basically just set a player group. So if you wanted to go through here, you know, I, I know, again, these are these are heuristics. So I think as always with these kinds of things, proceed with caution, but you could go through and basically say, hey, um, for I want a player that is less than 4% owned in every lineup. So what you would do is you'd go through and the shift click can be really useful here. So if we go and find like the lowest owned guy in the pool and shift click there, we can take all of these players, right? Everybody that's projected for less than 4% owned, add them to a group and then say at least one. And that will make sure that you're getting one player that is owned less projected to be owned less than 4% of the time in all of your builds. And that shift click saves so much time. Yeah, that would be so tedious if we couldn't do that. But you're able to knock that out really quickly. Yeah. So cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rogue says, "Are you setting min salary to zero for showdowns as well?" Uh, I think like that's probably technically correct. I would say this, the default year of like thirty five thousand is probably almost never actually going to be limiting for a showdown build. Um, 
that's that's a pretty healthy like window of of salary to to use here. I'd be curious actually. One thing we could check is I'm curious if we have any bills that are even like getting that close to that low of a salary in our pool. Um, let me check this real quick. Okay, so in this build, the lowest, and it makes sense for this game where there's just like a ton of different options, but the actual lowest salary build we have in this one uh, is 49. So we're not even like getting close to that 35,000 min salary there. So um, I don't really touch min salary for showdown. I think uh, it could make some sense if you're building a lot of uniques, then maybe lower it. But even if you put it to zero, it's still based off of the Sims. Yes. So it's very unlikely you're going to get 15,000 salary builds or anything crazy like that. I, I really don't think even if you put it to zero, you would see anything too wacky. Right. Yeah. Generally not. I, I would be surprised to even see one get that close to like the actual min min salary there of like 35. So um, Neil said, any idea why the Bengals defense is only projected for like 10% ownership? I've seen other places have them at 45% plus. So this, this is an interesting one. So because of the way that our ownership model works, uh, you are, what we're doing is we're taking an, an industry aggregate projection and then we're building thousands of different lineups with settings that are, are representative of what we kind of think that the field is going to do. Um, yes, the Bengals are probably the best point per dollar play at defense on the slate, but because Sabersim kind of understands that the variance of defenses is extremely high, uh, it is almost... This is almost prescriptive rather than it is descriptive in that it's almost saying this is what a perfectly rational field would do where, yes, they would roster the Bengals as the chalkiest defense, but probably not more than like 10 or 11%. This is a situation that's very hard for our model, the way we're set up with ownership to pick up on because you have this, this narrative of the backup quarterback for Dallas coming in and making this the best overall play on the slate. Um, I think that's just the perfect example of where, honestly, I would say the best advice I could give would just, if you've, if you've identified a situation where the number is wrong there because of a narrative, trust your gut and make the adjustment. Um, and one thing I'd say is that it's still early in the week and our ownership updates. Yeah. And I think that our team will see this across the industry and make a correction, but you know, like you said, it is a limitation and this is a opportunity to say, no, I'm just going to double ownership, increase by 1.5 X, whatever it may be to take that into account. If you see that we're not. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and like, it's an interesting, it, it is the interesting like theory of projecting ownership out there where like you you to to predict something, you need to make some assumptions that whatever you're trying to predict is acting in a, in a rational way. That there's like a pattern or a process of how you're going to arrive at those things. But people are not computers, and they're going to make, especially like as a large group, like a field in a DFS contest, they're going to make irrational decisions. And that's the interesting like game of ownership in DFS is like the more irrational somebody is acting in terms of and the more irrational the field is acting in terms of their their ownership on a player the more exploitable and the more profitable the game gets but also the more 
hard, the more difficult it is to reliably predict that because they're getting less predictable in the way that they're getting kind of ir irrational. And I, I think there's always an interesting like push and pull there too, of like figuring out how that's all going to work out. So um, anyway, let's go ahead. Let's keep it going here. Um, Patrick said, uh, not a big deal, but where your entry, the entry editor will acknowledge free rolls if you have them in there. So like zero entry fee contests, those should all pull in uh, no problems there. So, yep, definitely. Um, Cedric says, is anybody experiencing a blurry screen? Um, might be an internet issue on your end, Cedric. Um, it could be the browser automatically like turning the quality of the stream down if the internet's slow on your end. Um, I'm not sure what, what might be going on there, but um, so. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jordan said, uh, would you guys play Mike Williams or Joshua Palmer on the Thursday to Monday slate? Um, you know, this is an interesting question. Like in, in a vacuum, I would probably just like play. I would play players on the Thursday to Monday slate, like or somewhat organically at the at the rate at which I was getting them um, in the Sims. I, I have noticed having played a few of these here that people generally do kind of over favor this game, the Thursday game, like most of the time, the reason people are playing this slate at all is because they want to play somebody from this, this game. And I think all of the, I think the ownership on all of these guys is likely to be higher than we project for that reason. Um, I don't know if you've observed the same thing there, Andrew. I think one thing that I like to do is to just bump up the ownership projections on all the guys playing in this early Thursday night game, and then see how much you're getting after that, that ownership has been updated. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, if uh, somebody wanted to just play the Thursday to Monday slate, but then not take any Thursday players and then just wait till Sunday, they would just play the main slate. So I think right. that it makes a lot of sense that people who are playing the Thursday to Monday are probably going to be a little biased toward playing players on the Thursday game. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, on one hand, uh, wait, let's, let's turn the filter off here. Um, like on one hand, there's there's good values in this game, right? Like especially, let's see, at the flex spot, just with the Keenan Allen injury, like these there's there's good players playing in this game. Josh Palmer on a 16 game Thursday to Monday is like a top 10 value. So there's like some argument to play some of these guys for this particular week because they project so well. Uh, but I think I would probably do so. Like I would probably uh, adjust the player projection, the player projected ownerships here for these guys, just so that like Saberson kind of knows, hey, we think they're going to actually be a little bit chalkier than we project. And if you're playing them still, that you're doing so acknowledging that you like know that they're going to be a little chalkier. So, I think they're um, both viable. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think they're both good plays. I'm sure Mike Williams is probably up here quite like pretty high as well. I mean, you see Juju is also a good play. Like this is, I mean, if this was just like on the main slate, this would be like the premier game of the week that everybody would want to stack. So I don't necessarily think like full fading it this week is is necessarily the best idea, but I would, I would bump up the ownership projections there. So um, I see some conversation here as well about these free rolls. Uh, Patrick said they have different salaries and it sounds like we missed a couple last week. If they are... Like if you're playing a free roll that has a different salary, I I think at that point it's 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 essentially a different slate. Um, and if it's not like if it's not truly a part of the main slate 
uh, then it, then I can't guarantee or, or not even the main slate, but if it's not a part of like one of the slates that we have listed here, I can't guarantee that that we'll have full support there. I know FanDuel in particular sometimes will have like the KFC challenge or something like that, which is a totally different slate and with different salaries. Um, can't, can't necessarily guarantee support on those, but for the, like, I mean, for the free rolls that show up as a part of the main slate, they, they should show up in your entries file. So, um, like here, I'll, I'll kind of pull up what I'm talking about here just so we're on the same page. I got to fix this thing too. This is driving me nuts, but, um, yeah, so the the uh, the Frito Lay snaps and sn- snacks series and the Guinness Time Challenge and the yeah, all of these these are a part of the main slate, so they should be all there. Um, Bacardi spiced pick, right? If this if this has different salaries and this is like actually like including the spiced pick, like I, whatever this is, if if this is a different if this has different salaries, I, I can't necessarily guarantee that we'll we'll be able to support this because we're just pulling in the 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 big the big slates here, so. Um, Chuck, we had touched on min salary, uh, for showdown a little bit earlier. I think min salary for zero is fine for showdown. I think it's, it's basically going to be a non-factor is the short answer. Like, I don't think it'll ultimately end up affecting anything. So, right. Um, Aaron says, how do I pair my captain quarterback to wide receivers for DK showdown? Um, the quick answer here, or the the first thing I want to mention is, because we're using Sims to build lineups, right? You are going, this is going to happen naturally, right? When you're building lineups on Saber Sim, any lineup you get is the optimal lineup for a single play-by-play game sim of the way that the game could play out. So you'll, if you have most of the time, if you have Mahomes captain, you're going to have probably one, two, three pass catchers in the rest of the lineup because it's not just that you're getting Mahomes captain randomly and the rest of the lineup is just fitting in based on what fits on average projections. That's actually, there's actually a game script associated with that lineup and vice versa. If you get a Kelsey captain lineup with no Mahomes or something like that, there is a game script that defends that particular lineup. And it's only going to show up in your portfolio at the rate at which those constructions are, are optimal. Um, I think that's like a very important thing to just note before even kind of taking the next step and, and actually putting this kind of stuff into your lineup, because it's very different than, than what else is out there. Um, with that said though, there's, there are a couple ways you can actually like make this happen in your builds. Andrew, anything before I kind of talk about like the, the filters here, anything you want to add on to the, the SIM stuff there? Uh, no, no. Okay. So, so again, like, let's see if we can, we can find one here. Um, you'll just notice just eyeballing your lineups. It's, it's actually kind of hard to find lineups that like, don't makes sense, but here's one, right? We have DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, but no Herbert, right? I mean, this particular build is built from a game sim where it just so happens that this is the optimal lineup. Surely Herbert has a high score in this build, but it just wasn't optimal, right? Um, With that said, if you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, I want, if I'm going to play DeAndre Carter and I'm going to do all this stuff, um, I want to make sure Herbert is in the build. What you can do is you can filter by DeAndre Carter and then filter by lineups that don't also include Herbert. So you can see there's, we have four DeAndre Carter builds. One doesn't have Herbert in it. We can filter and say, show me the lineups that don't have Herbert and then go to our pool and just trash these. And basically now we will make sure we'll fill back up to 20 
that we always have that 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 combination together. So when you have Carter captain, you're getting Herbert also in the build. Um, that's probably the the best advice I can give on how I would handle that particular situation. So can we do a rule where we have a group with like a captain and his like four pass four wide receivers? Yeah. So the problem is, so you could say like, you know, Herbert or whoops. So you could say like Herbert captain, right. And then, um, let's see here. Hang on. Oh, you can do, you can do an at least two, but then you might just get two wide receivers. Yeah. So you could go through and kind of start adding these guys in here and like, you know, saying Mike Williams and Josh Palmer or something like that. The problem is, is this is going to apply to every single lineup. So you will you will now get Herbert captain plus Mike Williams and Josh Palmer in every lineup, or if even if you did at least two, right? You're always going to get two of these guys in a hundred percent of your lineups. Um, right, right. So the group, I, 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 I was wrong about the uh, the rule there, but I know that's something that the team is working on behind the scenes. Yep, yeah, we're we're working on the the new rules dashboard here, um, which will allow you to to make a lot more of those rules and things like that. So, um, Patrick says, did we run a sim? after the news with Allen and Harrison ruled out uh, and we'll run one more. Yep. That's correct. So, I mean, if there's big, big news throughout the week or leading up to a game about injuries and things like that, we'll run some Sims in between. Uh, But there is always one more final Sim that runs an hour before kickoff of every NFL game that includes the official and actives reports from those teams. um, And is, is basically more or less our final Sim of the game. So, and we can always see when the last time the Sim ran from the projection screen. Yes. There's a good point. I think um, I think it ran this morning. Cool. Yeah. So. And then if you were to, you know, go in and check Bucker, you'll see he's out. So, yes, we definitely are checking those things. Yep. Keenan Allen, too. So. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Um, there were a couple final questions here that we'll hit that, that were in Discord real quick. One from Nipsey here. Um, said if the pool 1500 lineups is viable should they be further put into a lineup sorter um i know there's a lot of people out there with processes that where they're exporting the entire pool of lineups and you know coming up with your own way of picking what lineups you want to play with um whether that's you know eliminating lineups based on ownership or projection or doing like some of your own diversification stuff in excel or some other program like i think all that's fine i I think that's fine i can't really like necessarily give specific advice on what I would do there just because a lot of my process does take place in SaberSim. Um, but I, I think, I know there's a lot of people out there with processes that, that work like that. Um, and I, I think that's fine again, because you're, you're banking on and you're working from like a, a strong pool to begin with and whatever, like if you're eliminating by heuristics related to projection and ownership and things like that, you're, you're probably only making that pool better. Um, so no problems with that. Um, cool. So let's see here. One other question from Larson here in discord. Pull this one up. Um, can I set a max stacking rule for cash that, uh, a max stacking rule for cash that doesn't apply to GPP builds. I'm getting a ton of Raiders even for my cash build, and I want to limit it to one pass catcher in the QB and cash. Um, one thing you can do is you can create, so you can save different settings and like rules and things like that. So right, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Just save it. 
So if we go over here and we set, um, you know, for cash, you might want to do something like, I mean, you know, just, I guess, hypothetically, maybe you're saying like no more than two players from the same team or something like that. Um, I, I will say, you know, there, there are certain weeks where the cash optimal, like the optimal strategy is multiple players from a game that just is projected spectacularly well, but you could do something like this and then save that and like call this, it's called GPP because that's what the build settings are, but you could call this like cash or something like that. And, and you can rename it too from, mm -hmm. if you uh, turn the arrow correct on the left, right on the left-hand side. Oh, you can do that for the advanced stacking. Oh, the, you can okay, do that okay. for like groups and advanced stacking rules here. Yeah. So you could do, you could do it with an advanced rule or something like that instead. Um, and so then, if you want to rename the stacking rules, you have to go up to the top, right? Yeah, these are, so these are, this is kind of confusing. I think we definitely need to do a little bit of cleanup here, but like if all of a sudden then you wanted to delete this rule, um, I think this would work, right? Um, and then, you know, maybe you have a different rule for your GPPs where you're saying at least three players from the same team, just hypothetically, we can now save that. Yeah. And then now if we go back to cash, it, it, we can just get that rule back pretty easily. So we could like switch back and forth between these pretty easily. So that's what I would do. Um, Kurt says compared to MLB, how do we know if a player is in, uh, there's not a checkbox next to their name. So I, what I would, what I would do instead is if the, once this, like we always run that final SIM before one hour before the game starts. And that always includes the, the inactives reports. Any players that are out will be marked as out or, or have a zero projection. So I, I, I feel like in is a little bit of more of like a fluid term for football where like baseball, you have a, a starting lineup. Right. And basketball, you have a starting lineup. So it's very easy to just say that those guys are starting. Football is a little bit less specific like that, where, you know, we know the wide receivers that are going to be a little bit involved in the passing game for both of these teams here tonight. But it, it's it's not as clear, like who's confirmed starter with that kind of stuff. I would say just in general, keep an eye on that final sim before lock. Right. Uh, if you're if you're not already in discord, there are sim alerts. There's a sim alerts channel in Discord that'll tell you when sims are running. So you can see when when a new sim starts, when it completes. And then once this says anytime after an hour before lock, then you know the final sim is run. So like at some point tonight, this will say, for me, it'll say last updated, you know, uh, 5.30 p.m. And then I know that the, the final sims have run. So. Yep. It's just a different sport overall. If the teams want to tell us which running back is getting the uh, first first touches we will gladly yeah. put that in the app but exactly checking in discord for now is probably the best option yeah and i i do think it would be useful and one thing we could add maybe is the green check mark by each team so that we kind of like do at least indicate like hey we've gotten the inactives report and we've run the final sim but um it's it's not very easy to put the check marks next to individual players especially when you start talking about the skill position guys like running back wide receiver tight end just because like it's it's a little bit more fluid of who's the actual starter there. Right. So tight end twos, um, tight end threes, and yeah, just ask um, Kobe Parkinson Pierce from last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. So cool. All right. Um, I think we are all caught up. I'll do a quick. I'm going to do a quick scan through. There were uh, plenty of questions here today, which is awesome. I know a lot of excitement here for the game here tonight. I think we've caught 
up on all of the the questions I've seen in chat. Andrew, you see anything that we missed here on a quick? No, I don't think so. Quick scan. Cool. Okay, I think we'll go ahead and leave it at that then for today. Uh, we will, of course, be right back here again tomorrow at 2 o'clock Eastern. Um, might have uh, something kind of, well, we'll see. I won't, won't spoil anything. Might have something going on a, a little bit unique for tomorrow's stream. But um, Jordan, anyway. I think we might have missed one from Uncrabby Cabby. Oh. Throw it up on the screen. Yeah, pull it up. I don't believe we got to this. Oh, yeah, we did miss this one. Um, are we adding too much of a human element instead of letting the Sims what they're organically designed to do? Um, difficult question, just like thinking generally here. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know, Andrew, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to what I mentioned in my own process is that I'm very conscious of trying not to add too much of the human element. And I really just try to be very specific about where I do try to do that at. Mm -hmm. I think the model is very good. And I think that we should exercise caution with making too many changes. Yeah. And I agree. And I would, I would add on to that and say that, you know, there are, there are things like when you talk about the sim as just like this big thing, right? There, there's going to be things that that like our models are better at and worse at. What, what our models are going to be extremely good at, I think most of the time is projecting player performance and modeling the games, right? Like if you're going in here and saying, oh, like, no, I think I know better. And I think Mahomes is real projection is this. And like Herbert is this and, and Eckler is this. And like, you might be right. And like, there's people out there that can get an edge doing that. But at that point, you're basically like, you're being like a handicapper essentially and like are are going against the model in a very specific way. On the other hand, if you are adjusting the lineup constructions you're using by setting stacking rules or um, managing risk by editing your exposures or, or taking exploitative stands because you think the Bengals defense is going to come in higher owned than we're projecting, that stuff is a little bit more about like DFS theory and like DFS game dynamics and not about modeling football. Like that's kind of how I split those two things up in my mind. Like I think there's a lot of value that I can add in terms of beating DFS and making DFS based decisions where I don't think I can add a lot of value is like being a, an NFL handicapper. Um, so that's kind of how I split those two things up in my mind. And there's different people that add value in different ways. When we have Max and Danny on, like those guys are brilliant and are, are like basically sports handicappers in their own right for at least like football, baseball, and, and basketball. And they can, they can actually like add a lot of value looking at games and actually saying like, no, I think these projections are off and I'm going to make these manual adjustments. So I think it, it's really a lot about finding where your particular niche is and where your particular skill set is. And I would say for most of the people that are like tuning in and watching and listening here, if you don't know where to start with that, it's probably more on the DFS game dynamics than sport, sports handicapping. Um, that's where I'd probably start. So um, last question here, and then we'll we'll go ahead and jump off. Kurt says, if we all take the Saber score lineups, then everyone using Saber Sim has the same lineup. You will not because you your lineup build is selecting from a different random set of sims than mine is. You can actually just test this, right? Um, you If you run build after build, you might eventually find that there are some duplicates in between builds, right? That's just because there's only so many lineups you can construct and there's only so many sims that you can work from. 
But on average, you're not going to get the exact, like not everybody using SaberSim is going to have the exact same top overall lineup because you're going to select a different set of Sims than I'm going to select and so on. And the bigger the slate, like once we get out of showdown, uh, it's it's very, very unlikely that you'll ever duplicate other SaberSim users um, because of that that random Sim selection. So, Right. All right. Cool. Andrew, any final thoughts? Uh, you have a, a take on the, the game tonight? Any particular angle that, that you like? You know, I haven't looked into it too much. This is probably my first take on it. I'm looking forward to it, though, and I thought we had a very good stream today. A lot of good yeah. questions. It was fun. We'll be uh, Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. We'll be right back again here tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern, to answer some more questions, take everybody into the weekend. Uh, and in the meantime, see ya. Good luck. See you guys. Take care.